G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. When I was about five, I remember being in church during time of worship and we're singing this song, The Steps of a Good Man Are Ordered by the Lord. I was five and I remember saying to my dad, because I was singing it, that's not right. And I said to dad, but I'm a girl, not a man. And uh, I will never forget, dad looked at me and said, well, you sing The Steps of a Good Girl are Ordered by the Lord. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, in the past on the program, we spoke with Malcolm and Suzanne White, who have been married for over 50 years and have a tremendous legacy of helping people through their ministry work. Malcolm as a pastor and Bible teacher and Suzanne as a Christian counsellor. As a matter of fact, Jeff and Virginia Ball heard that interview and contacted us to say Malcolm and Suzanne helped save their marriage many years ago and they eventually went on to be missionaries in Indonesia. Today, we find out more of the impact Malcolm and Suzanne White have had as we speak with their daughter, Anna. Anna says her parents have had a huge impact on her life faith and ministry and she'll share her story with us today and some of the challenges she faces as a female pastor. Anna is chatting with Eric Scadabo from her home in Melbourne. Anna Wade Atkins, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Glad to have you with us and we want to find out what it was like having Malcolm and Suzanne as your parents. Tell us what was your childhood like? Okay, well um, I was born as the youngest child of Malcolm and Suzanne. Um, When I was born, they were in pastoral ministry down in the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. And uh, and so my earliest memories of home and family was also very connected in with the church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, my early memories were... Well, lots of lots of fun, um, lots of music. I can remember mum and dad would always inflict country music on us because they <laughs> loved that. Um, and uh, lots of times at church. And but when I talk about that, it, was, it wasn't so much just you know like going to church, but um, the church that we were part of in my early years up until the age of seven was experiencing at that time like a really beautiful move of the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. there was incredible love. Um, it was really characterised like as a family and, you know, I, I just remember mum and dad and my sisters and I being engaged in, in the activities of the church and, uh, you know, we had extra sets of grandparents who were people from the church and, yeah, it was, it was a very special time. So I think... That was really key for me um, mm-hmm. where, you know, when you're little, all of those things kind of mush in together. So, you know, dad is uh, the minister who was always, you know, preaching and, and leading at church and mum there with me and my sisters beside her in the front row of church and she'd always be taking notes during the sermon and um, she would take notes by, right, like drawing pictures of mm-hmm. whatever 
yeah. that he's talking about. So as little ones, like I remember like looking, because it was interesting looking at what mum was drawing. And so I was being taught in that process of uh, like that I was part of the church and what was being talked about mattered to me and that God wanted to talk to me as well. And um, now, did and, your mother do that on purpose to try to help you to understand? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. She was very intentional Mm -hmm. in things like that. She was very intentional in discipling us. And so she, she would have us there with her. And um, so this is when we were very little, she would, she would take notes that way because that way it kept her engaged as well. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you didn't just go on to church to spend an hour like we're going because we want to learn and grow and worship God and and it was beautiful to go um so yeah she was very intentional about that and uh, like I never went to we didn't have a Sunday school or anything like that when I was little um I was always in their part of church and and church and family was like all all the same thing really wow so she would draw little pictures of what your dad was preaching about to try to keep your attention and to try to help you to learn yeah what a what an interesting way of doing it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I I um, used to do that for my kids as well when they were little. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, not exactly works of art, but it kept all of us engaged. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. you know, if you're going to actually draw the notes, then you've got to really be thinking about it. So oh, yeah. uh, so that was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. Then you moved to the Blue Mountains in New South Wales when you were seven. Yeah, that's right. What do you remember about that time? Yeah, that was a, a bit of a culture shock, to be honest, in every possible way. Um, we went so? from, yeah, well, I mean, we were Victorians moving up to New South Wales. And <laughs> um, and so there was that element. Um, the change between the churches was really significant. Um, again, you know, my, my early memories of the church down on the peninsula, it was very loving and very welcoming. There was this beautiful awareness of the Holy Spirit, like worship was, like I have these early memories of beautiful worship. When we moved up to um, Springwood, church was really different. There was a lot of conflict in the church. Yeah, I'm reading in your notes that you sent me, certain church members were mean. They didn't like dad. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. What happened? (laughs) Or or they didn't like us, you say here. What happened? Yeah, well, you know, if there are other pastor's kids who are listening in, they've probably got similar experiences. Um, There aren't particular, you know, individual memories. It was just knowing there were certain people that just didn't didn't like Dad and therefore didn't like us as a result, and they would be mean. They would just be kind of nasty or want to, you know, tell you off or um, uh, feel like, because because we were the minister's children, they had a right to, you know, comment on our actions or behavior or attitudes or oh, whatever. What a contrast from your first experiences. Oh yeah, it was yeah, it was it was huge actually. But you know, we were sort of feisty little girls, um, <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I have these memories um, again. They're kind of vague memories, but I have these memories of mum on different occasions you know, sort of standing up for us or more telling people, you know, don't speak to my daughters like that. Oh, um, wow. So I always felt very, yeah, I always felt very protected yeah. by mum and dad. There was, they set very clear boundaries in terms of how how the church 
were allowed really to relate to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something that I'm incredibly grateful for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, I think um, over the years I've I've spoken to a lot of people who themselves are ministers' kids or pastors' kids, and it's it's actually a fairly unusual experience. I think mum and dad did an exceptional job with that in setting very clear boundaries. Um, They didn't let people get away with having a go at us because they didn't like what dad was doing. So, yeah, so, I, so that's a really good memory for me of feeling very protected by mum and dad. And So uh, negative but yet positive because of how your mother handled it. Yeah, that's right. So the negative was it like became less important. It was more like, you know, there are these grumpy, rude people in the church, but my mum's pretty awesome and she stood up to them or, you know, <laughs> dad, dad, <laughs> dad wouldn't put up with that. And so I, that actually kind of made me feel really proud of my mum and dad yeah. Um, yeah. for defending us in that way. Yeah. But yet you had another challenge in church that uh, you would run away from Sunday school because you thought it was boring. <laughs> Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I did. I don't, um, I, I'm, I'm just trying to relate to your dad as the pastor <laughs> and his kid is running away from Sunday school. <laughs> that could be a problem. I know. Yeah, well, exactly. I, I guess. Um, How did he handle it? He was fantastic, actually, in this particular instance. I mean, um, so Sundays, it was quite a, a big Sunday school. So, you know, we're coming from a church that had no Sunday school and I was really engaged in the church. And watching your mother's drawings. Yeah, that's right. To this, you know, big church that had the the big Sunday school and all of, all of those, you know, important programs going on. And I hated Sunday school. I thought it was so boring. Um, I felt really condescended to. I mean, and I was seven years old, you know, yeah. so I was I was a little kid. But I remember quite distinctly um, the first few times I. I think I initially sort of complained about, oh, don't make me go there. It's so boring. And and I was sort of sat up on a on a bench by a couple of the Sunday school teachers uh, who asked me, why, why don't you want to come to Sunday school? And I said, because it's boring. And, you know, <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're a bit shocked. And, well, what's boring? I said, well, you always ask or say really really obvious things like who was Jesus and uh, and it's like well we know who Jesus is Jesus Jesus is God's son and I think they were so shocked that I had such a like a clear sense in myself well wait wait a second was it because you were a bit ahead of the other kids your age is that what it was yeah I reckon I, I reckon there was definitely that um so initially I think what I experienced was that I'd I'd come from being really engaged in church I would like I'd be listening into sermons I'd be like engaged in worship we talk about Jesus all the time to coming to a church where there are all these programs but the expectation was that children didn't really understand or children couldn't comprehend faith Mm. Um, and so they would dumb it down so much that it was boring and you just sort of switch off yeah so that was sort of the initial bit and then I, I sort of, I didn't go to Sunday school for a bit. A couple of years later, I then sort of joined in. But again, it was really boring. So I used to, I used to run away, and I'd take my best friend with me. And that, that, <laughs> and so um, like we we'd go to the park next door. That was fun. Or um, uh, sometimes the, the, I was caught once because we'd gone home and I'd found Mum's stash of chocolate. 
And then I heard someone because we were in our house. Our house was right next to the church. So we hid in the bathroom eating chocolate (laughs) (laughs) and we were discovered. So, um, yeah, then that that day Dad sat me down and said, well, Anna, you don't have to go to Sunday school. But if you're not at Sunday school, you do need to be in church because it's important for you to come and for you to worship God and to to learn and to grow. And if you're at church, you're either reading the Bible or you're taking notes. So um, so that's what I did. So uh, I think I was about 10 at that stage. And, uh, and so I would just sit in church and yeah. mostly... Yeah, I would just read the Bible and I I mean I read it I from from Genesis all the way through and uh, and I think that period of time was incredibly important in me just loving the Bible. Yeah, I was going to say that uh you know your dad could have just said hey obey. Uh, but that wouldn't have worked for you because as we're nah. getting to know you here you were above average intelligence or could we say that i mean you were farther along in your your understanding of theological things so it was like being uh in year six and being taught kindergarten stuff it sounds like for you so he knew you needed to be intellectually stimulated so he gave you a challenge or he gave you some options yeah i mean I don't know whether the experience was just that, you know, I was above average intelligence so much as I just had, had already been taught a lot more. Well, you were further along. Um, yeah, so so I was further along. And I, I think Dad, Dad and Mum were far more interested in us as, you know, their daughters having our own genuine relationship with God than just going through the motions. I, I, I never got any impression ever that what mattered to mum and dad was, you know, just show up to church and, and you know, look neat and tidy and, and do the thing. They wanted us to know God. They wanted us to have our own faith. You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Anna White-Atkins, who's the daughter of past guests Malcolm and Suzanne White. Anna's sharing about her life and some of her experiences growing up as a pastor's kid. We'll hear more of Anna's story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're back with more of Anna White-Atkins, who's the daughter of past guests Malcolm and Suzanne White. As we heard before the break, growing up as a pastor's kid can have some unique challenges. But as we also heard, there were some very special experiences as well. Now, here's more of Anna's chat with Eric Scadabo about her relationship with her parents and their desire for her to have a personal relationship with Jesus. So he, he most wanted for his children for them to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Did you have one? Yeah. I really did. I really did. And how did it come about? Well, you know, to be honest, Eric, I I actually 
I can't remember a moment in my life when I didn't know that God was real and that he loved me. Yeah, so that's like early, early memories. I I just knew that God was real, which which means, and I know that this was the case, you know, mum and dad would talk to us about Jesus. They would talk to us about God from when we were tiny. They prayed with us every day. Um, every night when they would put us to bed, you know, they, they would lead us in prayer and they actually wrote a little prayer that we would say together, um, which was, thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for our food and play. Help us to love and to obey and bless our family in every way. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and you remember it all these yeah, years later. That. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Exactly. Well so, done. you know, yeah. So we would pray that every night and then they would pray. They would put their hand like on my forehead and mum or dad, whoever was putting me to bed, would pray the blessing in Exodus that, that Moses was to pray, that to give to Aaron and Aaron was to bless the people with, you know, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And they pray that over us every single night. Oh, wow. And so that they're some of like my earliest memories. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, I don't remember this, but my mum, you know, has told me, that when I was two years and nine months old, apparently I like walked into the the kitchen where she was and said to her that I wanted to ask Jesus into my heart. Oh. And, yeah, and she was like, you're two years and nine months old. <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I was like, I was determined. And you were ahead of yourself even way back then. <laughs> Apparently so. So, you know, she led me in, in that prayer and, and I, I just I just love Jesus. And so mum and dad had these rhythms of life, um, rhythms of discipleship of, of us as their children, but they always took out, like, my questions seriously. And so, yeah, when I was about five, I remember being in church. Um, it was during, during time of worship and we are singing this song, which is from you know, one of the Psalms and it goes, you know, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Though he fall, though he fall, he will not be cast down for the Lord upholds him in his hand. And I was five and I remember saying to my dad, because I was seeing it, that's that's not right. And I said to dad, but I'm a girl, (laughs) not a man. And uh, and my dad, I will never forget, dad looked at me and said, well, you seeing the steps of a good girl uh, ordered by the Lord. What a wise man. Yeah. And he said, you sing that because God loves you just as much. And so things like that, like really stick in my mind as very key moments where the, the questions of a child were taken very seriously. Yeah, I mean, you're a little girl, and you don't want to be singing about a man. Yeah. Like, what's the relevance of that? You want to make it personal yeah. about what God's doing for you. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, it was amazing. So for me, that just switched on worship, right? Because I realized mm-hmm. it was about me and God. Like, the things that I sang, the words that I sang really mattered. And Dad took them really seriously. Mum took them really seriously. Um I think they genuinely and rightfully believed that the Holy Spirit was at work 
in the lives of their children as much as in the life of any adult. Mm. And and so, you know, the job of a parent is to to be listening and watching for what God is doing and to and to work with that. And mm. uh, and so, yeah, so that was very important for me. Uh, I remember when I was 10, so we were by this stage up in the Blue Mountains and I, <laughs> Dad had been preaching um, a sermon and in it he was talking about, he must have been talking about the Israelites and uh, coming out of the Exodus and, um, and was talking about this idea of an age of accountability um, before mm-hmm. which, you know, God didn't, didn't hold you accountable but after which, you know, your decisions, they mattered. And I remember sitting outside after, I was thinking about it after church and I was sitting outside in the backyard with my dog and I had my arm around my dog and uh, wondering I know mum said that I gave my life to Jesus when I was, you know, two, but I don't remember that. And I, so I prayed and I, I just said, um, Jesus, just in case it didn't count. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. Like, <laughs> that's right, just in case it didn't count. Just want to make I sure I got little. this covered. Absolutely. I, and I remember saying, I, I want to follow you always um, and you can have my whole life. And mm. that... I've always remembered that. I look at now, you know, I'm in my 40s and I think that was a holy moment. Yeah. You know, where clearly the Spirit of God was speaking to me. And I've never forgotten that. You know, when I was 12, I'd been begging begging my dad to let me be baptised. Um, but he said, you need to be old enough to really take it seriously and really mean the promises that you are making. Mm. You know, you, you don't do this. This is not something that you just do without understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wanted to make sure you really were making a mature decision yeah. about this. Absolutely, yeah. And and I think that was one of the things as well, you know, for, for mum and dad, like they never dumbed anything down and they also made things serious that should be serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, when I was 12, <laughs> as soon as I turned 12, uh, the, the first time a um, baptism service was sort of mentioned at church, I went straight up to dad and said, that's me. I'm 12 now. I'm <laughs> baptized. <laughs> what did he say? So uh, he's like, okay, great. And I mean, I've been waiting on it for ages. And, and so my dad and one of the elders at church baptized me. And, uh, you know, that was like an incredibly precious moment. And, you mm. know, I've got four teenagers now. I, I look at 12-year-olds and think they're, they're so, they're young. But I also know they know what they believe mm-hmm. and we need to take it very seriously mm-hmm. and help them to really stand up in their faith and not dumb it down. Uh, kids mm-hmm. don't need faith dumbed down. They, they need it put to them as a whole and as magnificent as it actually is. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of your parents, Malcolm and Suzanne White, we know from chatting with them in a previous interview that they had some challenges in their marriage but for you as a child, they modeled a loving relationship. Is that right? They did. I mean, look, they didn't hide the fact that there was conflict. I mean, um, our family was fairly loud. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, there, there were certainly times of conflict. Well, as we learn in the interview with them, they worked through it. They were coming from different yeah. backgrounds, and that was causing yeah. some conflicts. But... The good news is they worked through it and were stronger for having yeah. worked through it. Yeah, 
yeah, that's right. So, you know, in, in no way am, am I, you know, going to say my parents were perfect because they weren't. Because you know the but, truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do. And, yeah, I, there was conflict there. I think between mum and dad, they worked through. There was um, certainly conflict there, you know, between me and probably in particular between me and, and mum. Um, we, you know, from when I was in primary school and, and um, early years of high school, like we clashed a lot and that was quite painful. Would it be a fair statement to say that you were a strong-willed child? Would that be fair? I don't know where on earth you would get that idea from. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. Uh, past tense, past tense. I, and I think I'm a strong-willed adult. <laughs> um, yeah. So you clashed with your mother. Is she a bit strong-willed as well? She's definitely strong-willed. And certainly part of my my journey as an adult and then as a parent myself with strong-willed children is allowing the Holy Spirit to show us what grace looks like mm. in our families and in our relationships. Well, that was part one of Eric Scatterbo's conversation with Anna White-Atkins, who's the daughter of past guests Malcolm and Suzanne White. Today, we mainly focused on her childhood and her relationship with her parents. We invite you to join us again next time to hear more of Anna's story and how she eventually decides to become a pastor. That's all coming up next time. But before we end today, I just want to highlight the role Anna's parents, and in particular her father, played in developing her faith. As we've heard, Anna was pretty advanced intellectually for her age and grew bored of regular Sunday school. I think it was wonderful how Malcolm challenged her and gave her an option unique to her. He realised that children are different and a one-size-fits-all approach wasn't going to work with Anna and so came up with a plan just for her. And that is in keeping with what it says in the Bible. The Amplified Version says, Train up a child in the way they should go and in keeping with their individual gift or bent. And when they are old... They will not depart from it. And that's the key. Train up a child in keeping with their individual gift or bent. And that's exactly what Malcolm was wise enough to do. And the end result was Anna begun to study the Bible on her own. Well, until next time, when we'll hear more of Anna White Atkins' story, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We used to joke about if you asked Dad a question, he would answer it with a question. And, you know, he then put it back onto me to go hunt that down, you know, find that answer. And he would resource me, you know, point me in good directions. In fact, I remember him saying at different times, you know, God is big enough for your questions. Pastor Anna White-Atkins joins us once again to share more of her story and more of the impact her parents have had on her life, faith and ministry. Also, she'll share why she decided to follow their footsteps into ministry and some of the challenges she faces as a female pastor. That's all coming up next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.